about us and how we can help at nfb.org. The National Federation of the Blind. Live the life you want. You must call 811 at least two to three business days before any digging project. So before you do this or this, make sure you do this. For digging projects big or small, make the call to 811. Well, good morning and welcome to Saturday in the studio. I'm Tom King. Merle Kelch joining us remotely today. Still a little uh, banged up as far as health-wise, apparently this morning, waking up with a little cough, right? Well, a little bit of cough and a little bit of a headache. And so uh, you know, we're saying, geez, do you have COVID? And, and I don't that's, think that's it. That's the first I, thing I everybody says these days, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, I've, I've, for about the last three days, Tom, everybody listening, I've been having a hard time reading. I'm reading and I get a headache. And uh, I, maybe I should go to the doctor where they said, you know, you missed your eye appointment for the last two years. Maybe it's time. I'm just guessing. Probably. Yeah, well, the stuffy part's probably just because it's that time of the year. But then again, I do have to say, my brother, you know, said, I, well, my allergies are here. He went to the doctor and he said, hey, you have COVID. And he kind of went, what? You know, so, and much, by the way, is the reason that I've been quarantined for the last few weeks. So thank you, brother. I greatly appreciate that. So anyway, you know, Tom, we looked through it. I've got a whole bunch of tidbits. And by the way, we are here uh, live on this 24th of October. So if you want to call in and save me from trying to read, <laughs> I would really appreciate it. Yeah, Okay. <laughs> You know, there's some things that are out here, some statistics that um, are, I'm going to kind of go down the COVID path, not for any other reason, not political, and I don't mean to get that way, but for us to take a look at where we're going, because we got to get the economy open, which has been a big conversation around. And so there's some statistics that are out there. I'm going to pop them up on my phone because I found them uh, very interesting. So we won't lose the call here, by the way, Tom, it's just a picture. So... That's unless uh, you hit the I, wrong button. Well, that's all entirely possible. Um, a good friend of mine lives in DePage, Illinois, in DePage County. And in their county, they have a statistic that pops up. And I wish we had it for Marathon County, too, because I thought it would be pretty interesting. And they talk about the total confirmed cases in a particular category. And by their category, they mean in a number of different places. And, for example, uh, they have uh, long-term care, nursing care, assisted supportive uh, living facilities. And so they went through and said, you know, what percentage of the cases uh, come from these various places? Um, and in there, what I've noticed is that's where the bulk of their COVID cases, and of course, um, uh, responding deaths are coming from, is from nursing facilities, you know, uh, skilled nursing care, assisted supportive care, food production facilities, and manufacturers. If we added up between those, that represent, um, oh, geez, over 80% of the new cases that they had coming in. And so when I look at this, Tom, I, I look at it and say, for us to be able to open up the economy, it seems that we need to protect those areas first. All the other areas, if you look at, you know, um, uh, restaurants and bars and schools and that whole bit, uh, the, the rate of people getting infections between point half, point half, half percent uh, to point nine of a percent, those where people were um, uh, coming down with the, uh, the virus. And so I thought that was pretty interesting where, at least in this county, in DuPage, Illinois, uh, they show that the bulk of the cases are coming via nursing, uh, skilled nursing facilities, and this type of thing, uh, coming in that type of direction. And so, you know, we've said it once before on here that, um, you know, if I had a, a parent in those age groups, I'd make sure that they have N95 masks wherever they go. And then, of course, uh, in the case of my mom, who I love to death, mom, put it over your nose. You know, you have to make sure that's the case. And so it almost seems to me that if we can secure that, we have the ability to open up the rest of our economy 
again, I don't know how it is inside of Marathon County, but I found that a very interesting um, uh, report that was out there for whatever that's worth. Well, I've got so to believe that, those numbers are out there somewhere. Those numbers are available. Yeah, I, I, I have not seen them, and I looked around for Marathon County. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen any, <clears throat> in, at least uh, county-directed uh, through the state either, but I, I found it very interesting. Now, that said, the big news that's coming up for uh, next week on October 29th, and this is all over the uh, uh, the Internet, but uh, the article that I happen to read was from my favorite economist, Brian Westbury, out of, uh, of Chicago. And in there, he just simply you know summarized the numbers a lot easier for me in an email article versus having to go through a whole report. Um, but it appears as though that the GDP, uh, their estimate is going to be up some 33.4% on an annualized basis. Remember, we went down 31.4% on an annual basis, and going up at that same rate really does point to, as so many people have said, a V-shaped economy. Uh, economy? Well, I'd say, how about economy? That's better. Um, so it really is becoming V-shaped for most of the measures, except even if we look at it coming up that far, we're still going to be some 5% down, uh, plus or minus. Again, we don't know exactly where the number is going to come out, but the estimates are. Um, than where we were a year ago as far as the size of the economy and the scope of it. And and, and really, without the reopening, uh, we don't have the ability to recover that, and it could take us as long as uh, 2023 before we get back up there if we don't reopen. And so, hence the reason for my um, uh, interesting statistic, at least from DuPage, Illinois, and seeing that, uh, where we see most of the cases coming from, and it seems like we should um, concentrate on something, protecting some of those, especially if, if we see that same similar thing happening in multiple counties and multiple areas throughout the country. It would seem to me that that would be the direction that we have to uh, take a peek and uh, take a look. We had a news story this morning that the vaccine trials for AstraZeneca and Johnson & Johnson are going to restart because the uh, problems they were having have been have been cleared as to uh, uh, the sickness of the people that were involved was not because of the vaccine, so they will be able to restart. So I would imagine um, the, and you know, every time we talk about the stock price during a situation like this, it it, it almost seems, you know, unclean, but, uh, you know, there are those out there who care about the stock price of AstraZeneca and Johnson & Johnson, and I would imagine the stock price will recover or at least do a little better because of that news that came out this morning. That it certainly will. You know, um, what I look at, and I have this conversation with some other people, friends of mine, Tom, is that, well, geez, why should these companies make money at this? Well, they have to expend money in research and development to be able to develop this. I think they should at least make that. You have a number of companies that have said, we're going to make it so that we're not going to make any money. We're going to give it away from that standpoint. So if it costs us, I'm making up a dollar amount here, Tom. If it costs us $10 per dose to build it, we're going to donate $10 per dose up to this many. You know, if we get through, I, I don't think that this is going to be something that's going to go away and disappear. I think, and again, this is my opinion, I think this is going to be um, the uh, uh, MMR shot of our time, Tom, that uh, you know, everybody's going to get it and you're going to have to get it multiple years and you're probably going to have to get another dose. I think this is going to end up folding itself into the flu shot that we get um, every year. It certainly seems that way. Um, uh, at least to me, from everything that I read and find. So what do you think? The company's going to be fine as years go on, money-wise, but I think it's the right thing to do to what make do it so many people can get it. What do you think the anti-vaxxers are going to say about this? I would imagine this will be even less popular than than other vaccines are when it comes to the people who you know, don't believe the drug companies, don't believe the vaccines work, or that they are detrimental as opposed to being positive. 
You know, Tom, the, the anti-vaxxers of the past, and I knew a lot of them because they were with my family, they always had problems with the vaccines or causing all kinds of trouble. And I'm not saying that they are or they not. I don't need to go down that path. But one of them was because they put mercury on the inside and, and this type of thing. And, uh, and, and, and so I'm not going to debate one way or another, but this I don't believe is going to have any of that in it because it's at least uh, from a couple of the companies. It's going to be a whole different derived type of um, uh, vaccine. So um, if they say anti-vaxxer, well, it's entirely up to them. But the numbers that they're showing as far as the test trials go, and again, I'm a weirdo, folks, and I read this stuff because of what I do for a living. Uh, but the trials and tests, especially on a couple of them, are so off the charts. Um, it, it's not whether they work or not. It's just simply that they have to finish up the time and the trials to get it finished. You know, the uh, vaccinations, Tom, that we looked at from years gone past, they were hoping for 40 50 percent efficacy. And in this particular instance, there are some of these that have had 100 percent efficacy at this point in time, which is just off the charts tremendous, which simply means it works. But they have to go through the trials, the studies, the work to make sure it's accurate. If we look at AstraZeneca and Johnson & Johnson, they stopped their trial because they thought they had a problem. That means it's going the right direction. As much as uh, we want to politicize this, uh, the companies and the FDA aren't going to change it to be able to, to get it through. The companies don't want a future lawsuit. And if they got something that's going to hurt people and people are going to die as a result of it, they're going to get sued. They don't want that. They're going to make sure this stuff is going accurately, aside from all the politics that are going on. Um, you know, maybe the administration had the ability to streamline a little bit where they didn't have to wait as long. Um, they got put into the front of the pile, wait until the, other than the bottom of the pile. Um, but either way, uh, the companies don't want to get sued if they got something that's bad. 715-845-2155, the number to call if you have a question for Merle this morning. You mentioned next week uh, or this coming week uh, the uh, the GDP numbers come out. Also, uh, earnings. as yeah, More than 186 yeah, yeah. companies are, are set to report their third quarter earnings this week, including the big ones, Facebook, Apple, Amazon, yeah, Google. Yeah. Um, you know, we've talked about how those big companies have been driving the S&P 500. Uh, is this uh, news that's going to be coming out later this week? Is that going to show us more of that, or what do you think these earnings reports? I think it's. I think it's going to be. I think Thursday is going to be a tremendous day, telling us what's going on. Yeah, I was kind of. I was reading the article, which, by, by the way, folks, is an article I marked at Cambrai called "The Stock Market Investors Brace for the Busiest Week of Earnings in October's Final Hurrah." Um, you know, I think of myself, Tom. You know, way back when Market Watch was actually owned by CBS, and it was CBS Market Watch. Now it's owned by. News Corp, of course, Rupert Murdoch, along with uh, Barron's and Dow Jones Industrial Average. Way back then, they had these articles that did give you like the weekly top 10. Now you can never find them. And they always gave you a summary at the end of the day on Friday, um, or you got it on Saturday morning, which is in this case. Um, they gave you a summary of the week and that whole bit. Now you can barely find it because it's got so much other stuff in the middle of it. Um, and I don't know if it's because of the political season or not. I read this article and went, oh, this is nice. It's nice and distinct and direct and, and beautiful. I, I really, really like this. And um, anyway, he's got a great article talking about next week. So next week, we take a look at it. We have uh, of the bank stocks, we have four of them uh, announcing on Thursday. And that's uh, Facebook, Amazon, Google, um, as well as Apple, um, uh, Netflix. I'm sorry, Apple. Apple, yeah. Netflix uh, did already, yeah. Yep, Netflix did. You got it. Thank you. Um, I missed that part of it. And so we have to say, well, what's going to happen with that? Well, we see almost all the stocks are going up with the exception of Apple. Um, the reason is we look at you know Facebook, Amazon, and uh, Alphabet, which is of course Google. Um, uh, the, because we've been home with this pandemic a lot more, uh, we've been using the products and services quite a bit, and as a result, their profits have been really quite good. As for Apple, um, I'm certainly we've seen articles this morning, Tom, as well, where 
Um, they're talking about there's going to be something missing as they're coming up with their fourth quarter earning reports, and that is that the Apple phones really aren't going to be in there much as they don't have the huge push that they've normally had for Christmas and Christmas deals because nobody knows if people are going to be out. Are they going to the stores? Are they going to be buying online? Are they going to get it from the carrier? Really knows Nobody knows what that's going to be, so there's a lot of uncertainty when it comes to the Apple phone. And so here we see Apple stock uh, down a little bit, at least as of Friday, uh, the others up in anticipation of having some good profit. But it'll be a real great insight into consumer products and consumer spending in looking at those um, other companies that we come up on Thursday. And hopefully that uh, lends itself to a higher GDP um, than we even expect for next week. I know you don't want to dive into individual companies, but uh, when you look at uh, earnings reports coming out this coming week, what sectors do you think are going to be positive uh, from the third quarter as opposed to others that maybe not so much? Well, I think I think consumer consumer use things, retail. um, I think that's where we're going to start seeing some prizes, primarily in those that do stuff online. I think we're going to see more profit, we believe. I think if we look at companies you know, that, that we've already mentioned, of course, your, your Netflix, Google's, Disney, because Disney's really become some uh, an online powerhouse in regards to its um, uh, Disney platform for online movie purchases. By the way, Tom, new uh, episodes of Mandalorian are coming out, just to let you know. I'm ready. All right, me too. I'm addicted. Anyway, <laughs> uh, if we look at this, we're also going to see you know, Target, Walmart. Uh, we're going to see how Kohl's is doing with its online sales. We're going to start to see a bunch of that stuff. Um, we as consumers, we've talked about over the course of the last few weeks, we've got a bunch of cash sitting around, um, and uh, which that cash, and I'm not saying everybody, of course, but as a bulk, uh, there's a lot of money from the stimulus that was received and still sitting inside of savings, at least from the measures of that. Um, and that money's been going into retail sales, and retail sales have been looking good, and we're going to see those numbers um, and how we're doing with it over the course of the next uh, week or so. You mentioned the stimulus, and uh, they're still yapping about that. Apparently, uh Republicans are kind of uh, fighting amongst themselves as to whether or not uh, there should be another stimulus package and how big it should be. It looks like there is going to be one. Steve Mnuchin apparently breaking with some of the Republicans in the Senate to uh, come to some sort of agreement with Nancy Pelosi. And I guess it's a question now of when it's going to happen. Is it going to be before Election Day or not? They've got to get yeah. to it fairly yeah. quick if it's going to come out here in the next couple of weeks. Well, certainly so. And, and I think even if it gets approved, we're not going to see any money before the election. Certainly, I think the time frame is too slow on that. But yeah. The stock market itself has essentially been sideways. Uh, sideways. Uh, you see the Dow was, I think, down 1% for the week, another a half. And, you know, but we're probably going to see the stock market even go a little bit sideways next week going into the election. Um, everybody gets excited to uh, have their president be the world's greatest everything. And so as a result of that, we see the stock market kind of drift up. But I think right now it's been going sideways based upon the stimulus. We've been seeing it happen throughout the course of a number of weeks. Soon as either Mnuchin or, or Pelosi or Trump saying oh, the stimulus is great, we see the market go up 100, 150 points, and then back down as soon as they say we don't think it's going to happen until after the election. So, but I think the stimulus makes sense for us. Um, I think we need a stimulus to whatever direction it is. Let the politicians argue what they want. Uh, but what it does is it continues to keep further and pushing our economy um, uh, even further uh, because we still have money out there to make sure we take care of the bills as we unravel this. A pandemic thing. But the biggest thing we got to do is we got to get back to work. I mean, that's the, the biggest thing we have to do. Um, again, uh, my 
uh, fears are in inflation because we have so much cash out there, we don't have the supply for the demand that's out there for many goods and services. All right, 715-845-2155. We need to take a break here. When we come back, we're going to talk about the worst ways to withdraw money from your retirement accounts. And I'll get get Merle's uh, ideas on that as well when we return here on WSAU. It doesn't take a brain surgeon to know ticks suck. But what you might not know is that they don't just suck blood way out in the woods. Those creepy little bugs can be anywhere all year long. And I do mean little. They can be smaller than the head of a pin. But big Trump average amount of pre-existing conditions they have? Not one, not two, two and a half. Do they tell you this? No. Ben Armstrong. Easy way to catch up on what's going on. Every morning. The WSAU Wisconsin Morning News on WSAU. And we're back here in the studio. I'm Tom King, Merle Kelch on location, but he can take your phone calls and questions this morning about your portfolio, 715-845-2155. I saw a piece that was uh, written about how people maybe make mistakes when they're taking money out of your retirement account. You've built up your accounts now, you're ready to retire, and now it's a question of taking the money out. And if you don't do it in the right order, you can cost yourself a lot of money, I guess. We can talk about this a little bit. One of the things they said is don't start or make that uh, what you should do is uh, not start with your investment income. Withdrawing from your investments first gives your retirement accounts more time to compound interest. If you dive straight into your 401k or IRA, you could cost yourself years worth of income in retirement savings. Do most people do it that way? It all depends where a person is going. Um, you know, in, in my world, Tom, I've read countless articles on what's the, the right way and the wrong way is to do this. But the right or the wrong way is what the individual is. Um, you know, I'm a firm believer that if you have the ability, and I'm just using this as an example, if you have the ability to live on your Social Security and, and that can cover most of your uh, bills, but every once in a while you get a couple thousand bucks, what might happen? Well, you just leave the investments alone. Um, some people go through and they set up their budget and Social Security, and they're going to need, uh, um, again, making up a number. They need an extra $1,000 a month to cover the bills. And so we simply set it up so it becomes a monthly distribution place from one way or another. Now, I'm probably differ than a lot of investment advisors. My accountant friends will say, well, you know, take the money out of the things that have the least tax because, of course, the accountants want the least amount of tax. Uh, my estate planning friends, you know, say, well, we want to make sure we try to control the, uh, uh, the size of the estate, blah, blah, blah. And, and so maybe do it for us. I happen to think that um, I want to start using some of the IRA money up a little bit. Here's the reason why. In 30 years of doing this, Tom, rarely have I seen it where the IRAs with your, you know, RMDs, your annual distribution, you have to take out, which used to be 70 and a half is now 72. Um, rarely do I ever see that make that account go less and less and less or get smaller and smaller. Rarely do we see that. Usually people take out the minimum that they live on along with Social Security or a pension, um, and they go from there. So what happens then is the size of the estate just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and it becomes a tax time bomb to the estate um, later on to the kids or to spouse or whomever. So I'm always a bigger fan of, of saying, well, let's go ahead and start taking some of the money out. Even if we slow it down a little bit, um, uh, let's start taking some of the money out. That, of course, um, is assuming that you have enough money in which to let it continue to grow um, and you have enough money in which to live on. Um, so I'm a bigger fan of doing it in that direction and then leaving the tax-free money, such as Roth IRAs, leave that in case the, the roof leaks or the collar breaks down, which we all know is going to happen. 
One of the other things they talk about, and we've talked about many times on the show, is when to claim Social Security benefits. If you start at 62, obviously you're not getting your maximum benefits. And even if you claim at 66 or 67, you're not getting your maximum benefits. Just a question of whether or not you want to work until age 70 uh, before claiming. Uh, yeah. But once again, as you said, that's different for everybody. Right. You know, I have some people that, that are so tired of, of doing their work. In fact, uh, um, some people are, I know right now, uh, in fact, classmates of mine, uh, they worked at their job and they said, you know, I've just had enough. I have a pension. Um, and uh, with my pension, I have everything paid for, and I can take a couple of bucks for my investments. I don't have to take income from all of it. But between the two, and uh, we're in the 56-year-old category, and he said, I will be able to lump along just fine until I start collecting Social Security at 62. And he doesn't want to wait anymore. He said, that's fine. I'll be good until 62 and Social Security kicks in. And he said, then I'll be fine for uh, the rest of retirement. So he just can't take it anymore. He's got to be done at 62. When I look at myself, for example, um, I, I don't foresee myself taking Social Security at age 62 simply because the business that I'm in, when I see clients each week, Tom, uh, for me, it's not work anymore. It's BSing with friends. And so I can't foresee myself, well, geez, why, why should I stop doing it since I like doing it so much? Now, you know, retirement for me might be working uh, two days one week, maybe three days the next week. And my staff and relatives say, well, how's that any different than now? <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. Other than Saturday morning, you know, uh-huh. um, but I can't see doing this. So it doesn't make any sense for me to take it at 62 or 65. I'll probably just wait until 70 just because at 70, I can still continue to keep working, start collecting. Um, so it, it differs from everybody. Now, what I look at is, is the differences where the person says, well, I can retire, take it at 62, but I'm not going to. I'm just going to wait until 65, but they don't work. You know, that's the difference in there. Um, the numbers show, and it used to be, uh, Tom, when, when the full retirement age was 65 for everybody. Now, the numbers would show is that, you know, if you waited from 62 to 65, you had to, um, uh, uh, you know, die outside of 12 years before the advantage was to the Social Security Administration. So within that time, if you died from uh, 62 to 77 years old, um, if you died within there, the advantage was you because you got more money. And at 78, the advantage of the Social Security Administration, my first response was, well, at 78, who cares, you know? Um, but it gave us more money in our pocket than if we took it at 62 versus 65. So now because we're, you know, full retirement age is 65 for some, Tom, I believe you're 67 like I am uh, for full retirement age. Um, and now the Social Security Administration added a bonus onto it, going from 67 to 70, you get that extra 8% bonus that goes on. Now we have to look at it individually, but it still tends to be about the same thing, except it's not 12 years, it's 11 years, six months of that nature. So if you're not going to work, collecting it at 62 tends to put more money in your pocket long term than if you wait until age 65, even though you have that escalation of the value going up. So there's no right or wrong answer now. It tends to be what's the right answer for one person. And it tends to be the same way when it comes to pulling money out from your IRA. What's your income? What are the taxes like? All that kind of thing. Um, all of that sort of stuff factors into it uh, today, too. So of all the articles that are out there, it still kind of comes down and say, what's right for Tom? What's right for Bob? What's right for Larry? Um, that's the, the, the answer, not just an article. But I think articles should 
uh, keep us aware of what we have to look for when that time comes. All right, we need to take a break for some news. We're going to come back with more. If you have a question for Merle, give us a call here this morning, 715-845-2155. Back in a moment here on WSAU. Vehicle accidents are stressful enough. You don't need someone showing up at the scene trying to pressure you into letting them tow away your vehicle. Call your roadside assistance provider or insurance company for towing company suggestions or consult with police on the scene. And always have the price and terms in writing before you let them hook it up. If you suspect fraud, call us at 1-800-TEL-N. Or a 15-year-old girl who goes for walks over lunch so her friends won't know she doesn't have anything to eat. I am the one in seven American children who struggle with hunger. Kids you pass by every day but never knew were hungry. I am child hunger in America. Hunger can be hard to recognize. Learn why at IamHungerInAmerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America, 200 Food Bank Strong. And we're back. Tom King in the studio. Merle Kelch on location. Let's go to the phone this morning. Good morning. Who are we talking to? This is Josh. Good Josh, morning. you're on with uh, with Merle. Go ahead. Morning, Josh. Thank you. Good morning. Uh, if a person has a 401k and uh, then leaves the company and retires, um, is it proper so as not to cause um, a tax event to transfer that to a personal IRA or to roll? I've heard both. Um, you broke up a little bit in there, but let me think. I can. Uh, I think I can help answer your question. Let me read back. So, Josh, are you asking the question? Should we leave it inside the existing 401k or transfer it to an IRA? Is that your question? No, it, to avoid a tax event, when uh, you move it from a 401k to an IRA, do you transfer it or roll it over? Do you transfer it or roll it over? Well, it's, it's kind of interesting, Josh, because the the terminology has kind of come to be the same uh, thing. The, the correct way would be it becomes a transfer. So you're transferring from one custodian, which would be the 401k, uh, to another custodian, which would be your IRA. So that's called a, it's actually called a transfer. Uh, a rollover is essentially was when you would do it yourself. When you'd go to the uh, the bank and say, give me the check for my IRA, and you take it over to the other bank and put it in that bank for an IRA. They considered that a rollover, and you had 60 days to do it. But for all practical purpose today, a trustee-to-trustee transfer, a great transfer, it's all kind of used interchangeably, um, though there probably is some distinct definitions. But you always want to make sure that you have that done where you're not holding on to the check uh, so they're not doing the 20% withholding and all that kind of stuff. So you just have to make sure your paperwork is done ahead of time. Does that help you? Oh, looks like he's gone. All right, 715-845-2155 is the number to call. I mean, that would be the way for everyone to do it, right? I mean, you want to avoid the taxes. Yeah, you want to control yourself. You know, we, we, you know, now we just had, for example, a, a client of ours that, um, uh, they inherited some money and it was inside of a, a small oral uh, 1K plan that a person had of like $1,600. And, and so inside of that, they inherited They said, well, should we do it? Should we put it inside of an IRA? So well, by the time you spend all of your time putting the $1,600 into an IRA just to take it out of your knowledge, you said, you might as well just take the thing out. So they just simply took uh, the direct uh, holding of the money, um, had the taxes withheld, and you know, ended up with some $1,200 in there finished up and done. Um, but for the bulk of it, if I had to say inside our office, probably in the neighborhood of you know 99 to 100 percent of sorry, 
95 to uh, as much as 100% of people just simply uh, take that money and and uh, put it into an IRA to decide how they're going to do it or what they're going to do with it later on. How about somebody who's worked many jobs over the years? Most people aren't doing what, you know, what our fathers did or what our grandfathers did, you know, work a job for 35, 40 years and then retire with a gold watch. Um, most people these days, if they have a 40 year work history, have two, three, four, sometimes even more yeah, jobs yeah. with 401ks, maybe at all of them. Uh, what do you do when you have 401ks in multiple, uh, spots? Do you, do you move them all into one? Do you just ha- administer all of them separately? Yeah. What's the best way of doing that? What, what's interesting is there's, there's, there's the answer that people do. Then there's the answer <laughs> that we're supposed to say for FINRA. So <laughs> let me do both of them. Uh, the answer for FINRA is that you can leave the money inside of your existing 401k uh, and the, the expenses inside of an existing 401k might be a little bit cheaper than if you put it inside of a self-directed IRA. All right, got that done. Here's the way that I look at it. Uh, inside of your 401k that you have now, or if you still have money inside of the 401k from a job or two jobs ago, there's a subset of investments that you have. So you might have a dozen investments. You might have two dozen different investments that are inside that 401k. That's it. That's your choice. And so with that being the case, um, you you can't make extreme moves if you need to. Um, you can't say, well, of those 12 investments, which ones are really high quality, which ones are average, which ones stink. That you can't do that because it's all you get is that subset. And so I'm a firm believer that we have the ability of having higher quality investments if we're putting instead of an IRA whether we're doing it on our own or whether we're having a financial advisor help us, we have the ability to have higher quality because we now essentially have the whole investment arena open to us. Um, uh, we have the ability to, to buy corporate bonds or individual stocks should we choose, as well as various mutual funds and other types of investments. And so if we have all these different pieces and parts working together, I think you get better continuity of investments. And I think it probably helps improve your rate of return. Yes, I said the probability because you can't guarantee it, you just have to look at it this way. I'm a believer that if we have more choice, we have more options, we can improve the quality of the investments. And how I say that is if you look at Morningstar, for example, they have their star system on what better quality investments have been. So, for example, five stars and four star funds versus one stars. And so we have the ability to measure that individually or through an advisor, and we can choose between the whole spectrum of investments that are out there rather than a small subset within a 401k. Um, so I think that's the better direction to go, and that's what we'll advise our clients to do, is to do that same type of a thing. It also then gets us prepared then, Tom, as you said, to get ready to retirement. Rather than having stuff in five, seven, eight different places, you have it in one, two, or three. It just makes it a whole heck of a lot easier to control when it comes to that, that time to putting money inside of your pocketbook, uh, making sure the bills are paid, tax, that kind of stuff. You only get one or two places. So on that, let me make sure I read this, Tom. The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your attorney, accountant, financial advisor, or tax advisor prior to investing. This show contains forward-looking statements that may not come true. Securities and Investment Advisory Services offered through HVAC Incorporated. Member FINRA SIPC, HVAC Incorporated, Kelsey Associates, or unaffiliated companies in this program is intended for Wisconsin residents only. How'd you like that uh, tail end right there, Tom? Way to slide into that. That's very, very, oh, yeah. very slick. Well, yeah, I'm learning over the years. I'm learning from the, the best when it comes to radio, buddy. <laughs> 715, so, yeah, go ahead. Th- there's, uh, do we have to take a break? No, go ahead. We've got time. All right. There's a, um, a company that's been having a hard time as far as their stock prices. There's a number of articles that are out. 
um, uh, in regards to that, which would be uh, Intel. So Intel has been falling off. We've had a number of clients talking about it, saying, what's going on with Intel? Of course, everybody's having um, questions about it. This is an article by Emily Berry this past week. Intel's problems are likely to just getting started. Analysts warns as the stock slides. And in summary in here, I want to talk a little bit about Intel, not because I think they're bad or good, and I'm recommending that you buy or sell them. But Intel had some issues in the middle of here in getting their product built and getting the stuff sent out. And then AMD leapfrogged them, which is things we see with smart tech companies, one versus the other all the time. Now, Tom, I'm not going to consider myself to be a chip designer, a chip expert by any stretch of the imagination, but I know that chips are built in layers. So when you have the I-5, the 5, for example, would indicate five layers of transistors and so forth they build into the chip. Of course, I-7, I-9, that kind of thing. But what happened is, and I'm just using this for an example, um, Intel was having a problem about a year ago coming out with their latest chip design. I'm going to say it's an eight-layer design just for sake of my uh, thing here. Um, And they weren't getting it out. They weren't getting it out. They were having production delays. They couldn't get the parts out. They couldn't get the stuff out. Delayed, 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 and all of a sudden AMD came out with a 10-layer chip or I'm sorry, a nine-layer chip, and Intel didn't even have their eight-layer chip ready to go yet, and they got leapfrogged. NVIDIA did the same thing. So that left Intel not only with their old chip, which is already designed uh, out of date, uh, but they lost it and got behind. So as they're coming up with new designs and new transistors, uh, the people that only can make their really heavy-duty transistors for them right now are the same companies that are making them for NVIDIA and AMD. So now uh, Intel's got themselves in a pickle. They have a lot of money. They have a lot of resources. They have a lot of work. Now, the question becomes is who is going to make these new transistors for the new chips and the designs that they have, and that's the issue they have coming. And it could take them a year, maybe a year and a half to get this thing unraveled. They're a big company. They're well run. Uh, They have cash flow, but they're going to have some issues coming up. Um, And so be aware. At some point in time, they're going to be a good buy when you get it straightened out. Um, Right now, it's going to be jumping around. It's a good company. Um, but they've got some challenges ahead of them on how they get this thing straightened out. 715-845-2155, the number to call. If you have a question for Merle, give us a call right now. We'll be back in a moment on WSAU. The Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council present the story of Cynthia and... Land. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. And we're back in the studio. I'm Tom King, along with Merle Kelch, Kelch and Associates in Wausau on location, but can still take your questions, 715-845-2155. Anything else on your radar as we head into this uh, final week of October? You know, there is. I found an article this morning I just found interesting to me. And it kind of popped into my head a couple of places that I've been to in regards to restaurants I thought were really good and very interesting. Uh, And here's where it is. It's an article by Sid Stone. It says there are really positive feelings of hope. Uh, new restaurants are opening with an eye on safety. And so he continues on and says there are only 100 fewer new restaurant openings in September of this year compared with 19, uh, 2019, um, according to a new report from Yelp. And it just talks about that a lot of restaurants are still opening and coming up with ideas, but they're just doing it based upon safety and how things are going through. And I was thinking about that. Of course, the concentrations they talk in the article are things that we're seeing here locally and things that we're seeing at our, you know, my old, uh, you know, my old friends at the the Wasa Eagles Club. You know, we have to do things differently there too, and figuring out how to do things differently. 
And then I think to myself, there's a there's a place that's up north in, in uh, the Tomahawk area. If you've ever been up there, you'd know the name of the place. And I'm not going to say it here on, on the air, but um, they do smoked meat. So they do a lot of smoked uh, you know, beef and pork and that kind of stuff when you go in there. And you think about it, um, just naturally what they do, they have very limited seating as far as sitting down. You usually buy it and you walk out and take it home with you. And when you do sit down, it's pretty quick and fast and you're out and they have places outside. But they smoke meat, and um, um, when they're done at uh, 5 o'clock for smoking meat or uh, 4 o'clock when they're finished up and done, um, uh, they serve it until the meat is gone, and that's it, and that's finished. They don't have all the uh, extra stuff on the inside, big counters. You pick up what you want and, and put it on your plate. Um, and I think we find more and more places that are like that you're going to go to, almost in a deli fashion, Tom, um, uh, because let's face it, I don't want to live with my own cooking at home my whole time because I'm going to starve to death and have problems. Mm. I know how I cook. And so we all want to get out there and uh, get some food. But restaurants are going to have to change that, and we're going to see more and more businesses that open up. I like that smoke well, idea. I think you're right that uh, there are going to be restaurants that don't go back to the old way of doing things and having a big dining room and, and you know, yeah, tables yeah. and lots of tables and lots of waitresses and all of that. Uh, it's going to be a new uh, a new paradigm for restaurants going forward in many cases. And some are already making it work. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if some of these restaurants who are doing drive-through or carry-out only go back to the old way of doing it when they can. I mean, I, I would sure. imagine some of them won't. You know, I tell you, Tom. Um, you know, you use have places like uh, Bite Squad or or uh, these places. I tell you what, something pretty handy about you know giving them a call and saying go over here and pick up some food and bring it to my house, even with delivering your groceries. I mean, that stuff is a, a pretty handy service, which. You think about it, 10 years ago, we'd have never really thought about happening other than a pizza joint, you know, delivering some pizza for us. But we wouldn't have thought about the other. And I'll tell you what, um, I got to say this out there for our grocery stores that are delivering. Um, you know, being quarantined here for the last couple of weeks, um, we went online and said, okay, we need this, this, and this. And uh, uh, all of a sudden shows up at our door. And, you know, we had the uh, the young young people that were picking our groceries for us and bringing them in. And uh, they call up and said, well, the uh, the onions that you're ordering don't look that good. These look a little better. Would you like them? Uh, they're $1.50 more, whatever the price was. I said, yeah, do that. Um, well, these weren't look good. Let's try this one. This one, they don't have any size. And they're sending me texts back and forth. This is beautiful. It came up. Um, I would have saved a lot of money because I gave her a $20 tip because I was so pleased with what she did. But, boy, it showed up at my house. It was great. And being quarantined, uh, I didn't have to go out. And so, if you find yourself quarantined or if you find yeah. yourself sick, it <laughs> can, works out pretty good. We could use the word quarantine uh, as a new definition for lazy in America, right? Well, let's have just, somebody else do everything for us. Tom, let's <laughs> just use uh, quarantine. I like right. that word better. All right. Let's let's go to the phone here this morning. Good morning. Who are we talking to? Richard. Richard, you're on with Merle. Go ahead. Good morning, Richard. Yeah. Give me your thoughts about preferred stocks in today's marketplace. You know, I like preferred stocks. Um Preferred stocks don't make any money in the sense of growth, okay? So so we have a lot of people say, well, I want to have preferred stock because they're going to have interest rate, but they have expectations that it's going to go from uh, $25 a share to 50 and it doesn't. Um, uh, you might have a little bit, but a preferred stock is said to be preferred because it has preferential treatment to the income of a company. So if a company is paying dividends, the preferred stockholders have to get prepared, paid before the common stockholders, and that's the reason that it's said to be preferred. But a preferred stock is typically at $25 a share, and you get an interest rate that's predetermined by that stock certificate. So, for example, if it's a 5% preferred, you're going to receive a 5% interest while the time that you're holding that stock 
which could be indefinitely. Most of them have some sort of a, a call date that they can be called later on or something of this nature. But I don't have a problem with them. We have the ability to earn some interest along the way with a preferred stock, and that's not too bad. Um, uh, now, a preferred stock is a stock, not to be confused with a convertible bond, which is a bond that converts into common stock later on. Um, so make sure you're reading about which one is right because the uh, preferred, I'm sorry, the convertible bonds this year, uh, those mutual funds have taken off like a rocket throughout the course of this year. Um, so make sure you remember the difference, Richard. I hope that helps. Yes, but oh, uh, tell me, uh, will it rise at all or, or decrease in value? Um, it can do both, but typically doesn't. That's the best answer that I have for it. Okay. If a Thank company goes much. broke, the preferred stock is going to go broke like everybody else, okay? Uh, but if the stock takes off like a rocket, the underlying common stock, uh, find that the preferred stock is designed for the income, and typically you don't see that preferred stock go up in value. Okay, I hope that helps, yep. Richard. All right, we're just about out of time here today. If folks want to get a hold of you on Monday, how can they do that? Uh, well, you can give us a call or stop in 3rd Avenue and Bridge Street here, Wausau, Wisconsin. I actually will be there. I do not have COVID. Um, so that being the case, uh, stop on in, say hello and hi, kick the tires and that type of thing. We will be there. We have some coffee, of course, always brewing and running. Um, you can give us a call locally, 715-849-3600, outside of the Wausau area at 866-355-5100, or find us online at kelchinassociates.com. All right, we'll talk to you again next week. All right, my friend. Talk Mer- to you then. Merle Kelch, Kelch and Associates in Wausau. We're coming up on 9 o'clock. We've got the news on the way. The polka show's on the way as well here on WSAU.